Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today is another Street Tips segment and I have photographer Matt Hart on the show. Hey Matt, thank you for taking the time to join me today on Street Focus. I know we're both so busy that scheduling an hour that would work for both of us was uh, quite a challenge, but I applied a little pressure and here you are. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Very, very busy. Yes, we've been trying to do this for probably a year now, as I remember. <laughs> True. Um, every time I come up with a date and then you come up with a date, then something else happens and we get booked for something and we can't speak. That's right. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's good, but gets crazy at times, as we were talking before we started uh, the recording. Definitely. It's just... Uh, Wow, it's like we're looking, you know, we're booking a year ahead and and who knows what's going to happen in between now and then. It's so hard to uh to plan and uh and feel good about, you know, feel good about it so far in advance, but you got to got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Definitely I'm booked up to October 2017 now and um I've said last year I was going to try and take it a little bit easier this year. Yeah. And plan a little bit less and do a little bit less, but um my schedule is absolutely mad. I just I... finished the photography show um, at the NEC in Birmingham. Yeah. So that's just winding down from that, and then it all starts again next week. So what was the highlight of the show? Oh, I don't really know. Um, the Fuji stand had a hell of a buzz around it, and so did the Smug Mug stand. Um, but the actual, I think what's growing better at the show these days is people teaching other people all about photography mm -hmm. and turning it into one great big community. And I think that's what's changing. It's not so much about the camera brands anymore and all the other brands, more about teaching and helping yeah. people to get on in their photography. Yeah, that's what I find too. Even when I was at uh, Photo Plus Expo, I mean, I did my presentation on street photography. I didn't, I didn't talk about the brand. And I think uh, that's why people are going to those shows you know they want to learn something i mean if they want to learn about the cameras they can just go to the camera store but um they have the opportunity to learn from so many different people so who was the highlight speaker for you there that you were oh, able to I, attend I, unfortunately i didn't get to see any oh, baby, no. baby, baby baby was what i wanted to see and uh, bruce gilden was another one i wanted to see and you missed it because you were I busy oh. i was talking yeah i was talking every day yeah um and two or three times a day at times and so One of my main talks was on at exactly the same time as Bruce Gilden's talk. So I um, <laughs> didn't get to see Bruce either. So that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been watching online from the, the group and a lot of uh, Bruce Gilden pictures have been popping up. So I was wondering if you were one of the lucky ones to attend his talk. No, well, unfortunately not. I was oh, doing well. On, well. Actually, I did a different talk this year. I did a talk on dyslexia because I'm dyslexic and how that affected my growth in photography. Um, and a little bit of street at the end, but basically I concentrated on learning difficulties within photography. And unfortunately, Bruce's talk ran 15 to 20 minutes into mine. So unfortunately, no, I didn't get to see him this yeah. year. Oh, well, there are be uh, next time. But hey, that's a that's an interesting topic. Maybe I'll try to get you on the show again to talk about the dyslexia part of it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Awesome. So, so well, who is Matt then? Because oh. many people out there don't know who you are. So can you give me the elevator uh, spiel, we call, yeah. as we call it? <laughs> Basically, um, I've been shooting since I was about eight years old. And I was dyslexic, um, very, very young. I was also adopted. So um I came into a family that didn't know much about dyslexia in my time when I was young. No one really did. So I struggled at school. 
Um, and I found that hiding behind a camera basically gave me something to, uh, to build on. And I started photography when I left school. I did uh, some portraits and I shot for Tesco's events and other things like that. And eventually family came on and the photography sort of took a bit of a back burner. Um, as, as time moved by, though, the photography started to creep back in. And, and I've had various different jobs, but the photography has always been in the background. And I've always shot film up to about 10 years ago. But unfortunately, my house burnt down. Oh, um, wow. About 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, my house burnt down. I lost everything in it, all my cameras, all my photographs, all my negatives, everything. Wow. And I thought I'd never move on from that. Um, and then, basically, I've always, um, whatever job I've ever had, photography's been in the background. And they say, what is a professional photographer? And they say it's the, you know, it's the person that earns 90% of their income from their photography. But in my career in the past, sometimes I've earned 90% of my income from photography over my other jobs. Mm -hmm. I've been sort of professional now for about oh, four years. And before that, I was semi-professional. But I've never known for my street photography. I've always been known to be able to shoot every single thing. Yeah. Um, and if, if any client rings me up and says, can you be there on this date to shoot this, then I can just get there on that date and shoot that. So I'm like a safe pair of hands in photography. And I suppose in the last four years, my hobby, which has been street, has started to be known. Um, and I don't even know why. I can't even answer that question. Um, and so I've started teaching street photography and talking about what I do and some of the techniques I do. But it's never actually been anything I thought would get out there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, you know, I experienced the same thing because well, I shot as a commercial photographer for many years and I photograph from wildlife to flowers to landscape. I mean, you name it. But the yeah. constant through all that was always photographing people, mostly when I traveled at the time. But um, and it it became kind of the constant. So I could tell there was something there that was I was more drawn to. Like all the other genres of photography, I would kind of switch very quickly from one to another, feeling kind of bored and moving on to the next thing. But street photography was always a constant. And that's how it grew, I think. So I think it's good to I think it's good to know how to shoot everything because it prepares you anyways for for situations on the street uh you you'll be quicker at adapting to the, the light and everything else so i think it's actually a, a definitely a plus and uh, but i think that it's quite unusual because mostly street photographers only shoot street photography yes it's it's always been a strange one for me because i shoot events so i shoot a lot of events in liverpool africa yeah in liverpool international music festival and people that are drunk usually love having their photograph taken and they look at you, they smile at you, they want their picture taken. And a lot of the time when you're shooting portraits um, for commercial businesses, etc., you're getting everyone to look at you and smile at you or pose in a certain kind of way. So that's why street photography has taken over in my life. And mm -hmm. I shoot candidly. And a lot of people don't understand sometimes my, my work and my style until they know me and realize that if they see my other work, then they realize that, All my other work, everyone's looking at me and being posed. And so in my candid street photography, I don't want anyone looking at me and posing. I just don't want that at all. It's just sort of like, it's harder to do. I find it harder to do to capture a, a candid shot. Yeah, because you have to remain candid. invisible. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and then in my other work, everyone looks at me, as I say, and I pose them. So I love the contrast. And now what I'm trying to do is add a little twist. In my other work, I'm trying to add that candid look into some of my event work instead of standing at the stage photographing the crowd, I get in amongst the crowd, 
photographed as they are. And I love that about it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's what I like too. I, I very rarely shoot street portraits, actually. I'm, I'm much more drawn to um, the candid aspect of it. Um, I mean, the street portrait for me, because I'm so... I, I, it's so easy for me to talk to people and approach people that I don't find it a challenge enough. No, exactly. Whereas uh, I know for some people, they're, they freeze at the thought of approaching a stranger and talking with them. But for me, it's like I do that all the time, whether I have a camera or not. So uh, whereas the challenge of being invisible or, or, or seeing, you know, getting the right person through the, the, uh, the right light or whatever, to me, that's, that's the constant challenge. And that's what yeah. I, I love about it. So cool. So you have some tips for us today. I do, yes. Okay, well, let's get started. The first one is a bit of a strange one to start with, I suppose, but it's practice makes perfect. And I find that the more time you spend with the camera in your hand, the better you get at working out your creativity and your own style. And that's like when I've changed over from shooting people and portraits to actually trying to practice with the camera to shoot in a candid way. There's a lot of people, I, I very rarely shoot anymore myself from eye level. And that came about by... The more time I went out of my camera, especially as I've got older, you see something happening in front of you and you want to capture it really, really quickly. By the time you've lifted the camera to your eye, you've missed the moment. So I decided that the best thing to do is practice shooting from the hip. And then a lot of people say, you know, you can't do this in the street and you can't do that. And the way I look at it, shooting from the hip, Vivian May has shot from the hip nearly all her career. <laughs> That's so right. There's nothing wrong with it. And looking down into a, a viewfinder, if you do that sort of thing, if you look in a ground, in the look in a rear screen at the back of your camera, Vivian Mayer only looked into a ground glass finder in the back of a rolly flex. So it's, you know, it's 2015 and time has moved on. So I actually, I don't actually do that, but I teach that. It's 2016, um, Matt, by, by, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. That. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's working from last year, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've sort of perfected shooting from the hip. Um, I've noticed a few other people doing that now. It takes a long time to perfect that technique and actually get it right and people say oh you chop it you know they, when they practice they chop people's heads off they chop people's feet off and they do this but i always tell, say to them well get a 27 mil lens or something and, and just practice 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 go out every day go on the street and just practice until you actually get it and then your hit rate goes from 10 15 up to 95 to 100 i mean i go out now a friend of mine um shoots track um and pans and he says if he doesn't go out every week and practice panning he loses the technique oh yeah that's a tough it's one uh -huh. exactly the same as me if i don't go out at least three or four times a week if not more then i lose my technique and my hit rate goes down so for me it's all about practice and i think it should be for everyone else the more time you spend out there on the street the better you get at it that that's for sure but um i never bring the camera to my eye ever 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 I, ever since i ditched the dslrs um i've never I, i've i've always used the the live view at least um yeah. and uh and i i don't first of all it shooting everything at eye level gets pretty boring quickly and uh and now we have those i mean cameras with tilt screens i mean there's no excuse not not to use that um really because uh and, and people some people will tell you that oh you don't bring the camera to your eye you're not a real photographer fine just look at my work if you don't think that's good enough then maybe i'm not but <laughs> i really don't care that's i like what i do <laughs> i mean I, when i shoot events i put the camera to my eye um, and I shoot stage and everything else. Yeah. And I, I put my camera to eye when I shoot the front row. But when I'm actually out in front of people, 
I've noticed that as soon as I bring my camera to my eye, their look changes. It changes mm-hmm. the dynamic in their face, and that doesn't give me what I want. So yeah. shooting from the hip or looking in the rear screen is the way I work. Most yeah. of the time when you look in the rear screen, everyone thinks you're reviewing an image anyway these That's days. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Very true. Okay, great tip. Tip number two. <laughs> oh, my. I've been teaching for three years now, and one of the things that I find is that I always get people to do this, and I did it as well, and that is study the masters. And I think it's very, very important to, in art as well as photography to go back and to look at how amazing the street photographers of the past were. I mean, my favourite is Saul Later or Elliot yes. Witt, and there are some others. Um, and I, I do shoot a bit of colour. It's quite interesting that I don't show a lot of colour. I shoot colour under another name. And I showed someone some of my work the other day, and they said, well, that's just like Elliot Witt. So I think, oh, is it? I thought it was a bit more like Soul Laters. And it's like, it's, it shows how they do rub off on you. And I always teach my students, don't always copy if you want to what other people are doing and learn what other people are doing, but then find your own style. Mm-hmm. So when, when I was actually then showing my color work and someone said it's like this person or like that person, that means I've got to change and I've got to take my street photography forward. And I always like to think that the masters are, are, are where we started from. It's what got us into it, I guess. I, I, exactly, that's not quite true. Really. What got me into it was when I was a young lad, I used to spend a lot of time in my first job standing out on the streets just watching people and studying people. And so that's where I got into it. But then I realized that I was just shooting people walking along the road and it didn't do anything for me until I started studying the master, studying the great street photographers of even today, that's how I started to realize how I could take my street photography forward. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to look at books, not just everything. We absorb so much online. Yes. But just to sit down with a good book where you're actually going to spend a few minutes looking at an image is important because we only spend, I don't even know what the stats are, but we, we spend what? mere second or on instagram you know on know, each yeah. picture and we don't take the time and i think that you can only get from either visiting a gallery or or sitting with a, a good book and i think that's important and I, i i keep building my my library of uh of book of photographers that i admire and and make it a collection and and i love it i go to secondhand books and sometimes i find nuggets um that i that i bring home and i'm just so happy to build that collection definitely same yeah. here I've, i've bought a lot of books this year yeah. more than i've ever bought actually this year yeah that's that's awesome so study the masters, study the masters. Uh, great number three is don't get bogged down in gear says the um, fuji guy <laughs> <laughs> it's true i mean oh, oh, you my, know me i'm the same way exactly i mean back to my dslr days i had two nikon d3s's one over each shoulder one long lens one <laughs> one wide angle lens and as soon as you lift it up it weighs a ton and people look at you anyway and especially when you have i mean i didn't have them but when i first started off you just buy the camera put the strap on it stick it over your shoulder because it's a tool And then you start realizing everyone starts looking at your camera strap and everything else. It makes it very, very hard for street. Yeah. But I, I sort of, I basically use two cameras these days um, and, I, and two lenses. And it all depends what, my, what mood I'm in when I go out with them. And all I ever use is my favorite, I think, all-time lens at the moment, the 27mm on the Fuji X-T10. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, the reason I like that is the same as you. I used to have the X-100. Yep. But I, I changed... 
the way I thought about that camera. And I, the lens wasn't quite doing what I wanted it to do. But the X-T10 gives me exactly the same size camera with a 27mm lens, which is better for me. And, you know, luckily now I've got the X-Pro2 and I use a 35mm lens on that. So I use two different cameras for two different things. But basically, I don't get bogged down. That's all I take out of me. I wouldn't take both out. I do when I'm teaching because one's got a tilt screen so I can show the students how I work. But most of the time, I would just take one out. And I suppose it's 50-50. 50% of my time, I go out with 27mm on the X-T10 and 50% of my time, the 35mm on the X-Pro2. And I just, that's all I take out of it. People yeah. ask me when I'm going out, what they're going to bring with me when I'm teaching. I just say, just bring one camera on one leg. That's all you're going to need. You know? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I tell my students. And that's what I do as well. Even when I was still shooting with my 5D Mark II, uh, I, the, the last year of shooting street with that camera, I only put the 40 millimeter pancake lens on it. And that's all I ever t- took out. I never had another lens with me. Um, it, it takes definitely takes the... The thinking away. You have enough to worry about getting that shot that uh, if you have to worry about changing gear, lens, or whatever, you just, uh, then, it, yeah, you're going to miss the shots for sure. So that's, uh, yeah, don't let, uh, don't get bogged down by by gear or don't no. even feel like you have to get new gear. Somebody was just asking me uh, on Twitter or Instagram that um, they have the X100 or the X100S and they... We're wondering if they should get rid of it for the X100T. I said, why? Doesn't, well, it, doesn't it work? <laughs> my, biggest, my biggest question is always, yeah, I know. what next, what next? And I always say, and people say, well, why do you buy a new camera? And, and the truth is, um, I've bought all my gear, apart from the X-Pro2, every single bit of Fuji equipment I, I bought myself and I own. And uh, the reason I buy a new camera is I like to keep a camera in warranty, and it's as simple as that. When I bought my Nikon D3S, I think it was a two-year warranty. As soon as the warranty would run out, I would get a new camera because it's my living. Yeah. And so when a new camera comes out, I tend to buy a camera. So I keep the warranty. So then it goes wrong. I can send it back. I mean, in, in all honesty, I've never had a problem with any of the Fuji gear. So it's, it, it probably wouldn't matter. I could probably run it over two or three years. But it, I just like the fact that if something does go wrong, send it back because it's new. And I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's good to have a backup too, because in case it something is. happens to the first one. Yeah, when I travel, I always bring a, a second yeah. camera just in case. Although usually I only use the one all week. But um, but yeah, I, I it could get stolen. It could get dropped. Um, I've only dropped one camera. But um, that... Um, and that was a loner. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was all okay at the end, but I felt bad because I'm I'm so careful. I'm, uh, I mean, people drop their gear all the time. I really uh, I I'm, I'm super careful, but that happened to me once. So you never know. <laughs> it could be on your first day of your vacation or whatever, and you're out of your camera. But then again, you can use your phone and keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tip number four. Number four, oh, this is this a funny story, this one. I'll tell you a funny story about this one. But go out in all weathers. Um, <laughs> well, you should know. <laughs> I should know. I'm you live out. in Liverpool, right? I know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was um, first given the X-Pro2 to use for Fuji, in my mind, you know how you get in your mind what you want to do and what you want to shoot to create an amazing image. And so in my mind, I had this rainy day shot. And... I had this vision of people walking past in umbrellas, and I know umbrellas is a bit of a cliche, but I wanted to do it a bit blurry, and I wanted to see the rain, and I wanted loads and loads and loads of rain. And I had a couple of months to shoot this in, 
every single day I was out teaching, it was raining. And, and I couldn't use the camera then. So every single day I needed to get out and shoot for, for this project, I couldn't use it, it was dry. <laughs> so the whole of the idea was gone. But I see so many people following the same patterns in street photography. And I think, you know, you have to be open to all weathers, but I've, some of the best shots I've ever seen in modern times are on completely snowy or rainy days. Yeah. Hardly any of those are street photography shots. So go out in all weathers and enjoy it, you know? Yeah, and, and I find that it's also people just are different on those days. In snow, they'll be all bent, over you know trying to stay yeah. warm clothing their coat so they have different gesture different expressions uh different body language <clears throat> same with umbrellas i mean with uh rain when the umbrellas come out and i still love umbrella pictures i know we just uh both commented on a post recently about yeah. umbrellas but hey a good umbrella shot is is exactly. a good umbrella shot the change as well is now we're going from um winter to spring it's yeah the, the people's don't shoot color but um the people's clothes change. Yeah. It's quite dull, muted colors. And just as spring and autumn, see more, more yellows and reds and yeah. everything else. So I love all that. Yeah. yeah. It's time for that classic chrome to come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Tip number five. Tip number five is explore new cities. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I live in Liverpool and, it's, and I'm doing several projects here. And I've got a project on Bold Street, which is my favorite street, and a project on Windows. Come on to that later, hopefully. Um, there are loads of other projects, but I, I sometimes, like you say, sometimes I never get bored with street photography, but I get um, bogged down in what I'm doing sometimes. And so I need to expand my own mind as to how and what I want to shoot. And so if I then go to Edinburgh or London or Birmingham, I see things in a slightly different way, and I see light and shade in a different way. And then when I come back here, I try and explore it a little bit better than I have been, mm -hmm. so put into more use in a local city. True. Yeah. Explore new places. Easier said than done in some yeah. location. I mean, if you're stuck in the uh, middle of Australia, for example, it might be a <laughs> exactly. little difficult to to plan a day trip to another city. But uh, <laughs> And same here in the U.S. But even small towns, I find, because I live in a fairly big city, um, and the next big city is, you know, a day drive. But um, I find that... Even smaller cities, people are different. They, they live at, at a different pace. And uh, I mean, I know when I go out, um, like if I drive up north or to Lake Superior from here, it's a two-hour drive. And if I stop in between in some small town, it's like... It's like going back in time and you, you walk into a cafe and it seems like, you know, nothing has changed since the 50s and, yeah. and you get those really cool shots. And so, you know, you don't have to be in a big city. Just, uh, just walk into a place in a small town on a road trip and, and see how different things are and, and people will be different. People yeah. live at a different pace. So, yeah. yeah. Good point. Tip number six. Oh, <laughs> this is my sort of favorite one. This is the Windows one, really. But um, if someone says it's been done to death, then do it to death. <laughs> the <laughs> umbrellas again, too. Yeah, well, this is like my Windows. It's about uh, I a guest two years ago. I took a, a window shot through a window of people, and someone said, oh, you're not going to start shooting Windows, are you? I went, oh, yeah, why not? Well, it's been done to death. And I thought, has it? Has it really been done to death? And I looked through my back catalog, and even some of the things that I did have saved from film in, in Tunbridge Wells and a few places like that, 
I'd shot people through windows, but only by exploring it, doing it to death, and shooting windows every single day does it start to make sense to you. And mm -hmm. when I teach people, they think, oh, I'm just going to go and shoot some windows. I said, but you can't, because if you go out at lunchtime, all you're going to get is people putting food in their mouths, and it's very uninteresting. There's certain times of day, certain times of evening, when people are interacting, and that show of emotion is more behind glass, or that look is very interesting, because the glass gives them some form of protection, and even though you, I use my technique to give me some form of invisibility, the glass almost makes them, they look at you first of all when you walk over towards mm -hmm. the glass, then they tend to dismiss you as if you're not there anymore. That's so right. you can actually get away with murder, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, liked, I love doing that. And I don't care if other people do it or have done it to death because they've never done it the way I do it. Exactly. And, and uh, who cares if it makes you happy? And I, I love doing that. I love doing that on train platforms too, um, in, uh, in the metro people uh sitting and and it's a challenge too like i was at grand central in new york last fall and i walked i walked the entire length of the train to find someone who wasn't on their phone and then yeah. i found this woman who had, had that timeless quality uh really cool glasses and i think she was actually looking at a crossword puzzle uh, but she she had a pen in her in her hand and and that was different that was the one that stood out because she wasn't on her phone so it's a fun challenge and i i love to play with reflections and yeah it's awesome more reflections the better i would never yeah, put a polarizer in front of my camera <laughs> no 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 i love it it was the frame doesn't it all those faces in the background yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen some of your, uh, actually, the one I'm looking right now, uh, your profile picture on your Skype. Okay. <laughs> I love that shot because it's that self-portrait and then the eye that contact with the person on the other end. Yeah, I, um, yeah I, like I walked up to her. She looked straight at me for ages and I thought, please look up, please look away. So I sort of stared back at her a little bit to make her feel uncomfortable. So then she looked away and then I got the shot. So it's quite a complicated shot to get, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. That yeah, just do whatever makes you happy, and yes. and, uh, and and it's so fun to have a project like that. I always have, I have readers. I have several projects too, like, uh, and I have galleries of them on my website. I have my readers gallery, but that's readers that are reading real books, which yeah. are harder to find in the U.S. because I mean there is not even a bookstore inside anymore. Uh, but like <laughs> when you're in Paris, I mean bookstores are opening even. They're not closing like here. They're opening new bookstores. So people love their books and there are readers everywhere. And I just love to photograph them because to me, it's so reassuring that we're still using books. <laughs> and so uh, having projects like that is it just makes it so much fun. So I really encourage that as well. Great tip. Uh, tip number seven. Tip number seven, learn body language. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing. We get bogged down in the photography so much, but I spent years and years and years, especially in the forces before I did anything else, was studying body language and watching people. And I watch them all the time, and I use that a lot in my photography. Um, and when I teach as well, I talk about body language and uh, proximity and personal space and all those sort of things. But just like the shot we were just talking about now with the window, um, I was watching the girl for ages, and I thought, time to move over. And as soon as I started walking towards her, she started looking at me as if to say, what are you doing? And then you have to just learn how to make them feel at ease with the way you stand and the way you look, and then try and alter their body language in a way that you're going to get a good shot out of it. And I spend absolute—I mean, I've—I've I've spent hours and hours when I'm out on my own. I find a subject that I find really, really interesting. I study their body language to work out how they're going to react to me, 
And then I just try and get closer and closer and closer, try and make that shot work. But also at the same time, watching everyone else's body language around me. And so I can see how comfortable or uncomfortable they are with me as well. Yeah, that's true. And and knowing, be able to anticipate people's uh, behavior and gesture is important because, you know, if somebody kind of tends to, people tend to do the same thing over and over again. So if you want to get that right, that right shot, uh, just just observe and then wait. They'll probably, if you just feel like you missed it, they'll probably do it again. But yeah. it's it's not that different from people who have to study um, wild wildlife. You know, oh. it's it's the 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 way the bird comes back to the nest. It's it's consistent. So yeah. we study people the same way, and uh, and I think it makes us better photographers if you slow down and and uh, pay attention to that. Definitely, yeah. Well, it's the same with the smokers. When people smoke, mm -hmm. um, they inhale and they exhale. And you get this great big cloud of smoke, especially these days with these new smoking devices. You get huge amounts of um, smoke, if that is even what comes out. And so you just got to study and watch, and then suddenly you get this great big cloud of smoke yeah. every now and again. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, tip number eight. Tip number eight is projects. All right, so it, what you just talked about yourself doing them, but I've, I've always got projects on the go. And someone asked me how, you know, you get known in photography. And I guess I've been known for my projects. I did, I don't know what year it was now. I did a project back in 2013. Even though I'm a black and white shooter, I did a year of black and white. I shot nothing for color because I do shoot color for um, client work. But I shot nothing for black and white that year. And that was the year I sort of started changing the way I processed. And It was around the sort of time Lightroom was coming out, getting better, and then Silver Effects Pro came in, and I thought, let's try and de decide how I'm going to make my black and white work look like I want it to. And so that one year forced to look at processing as well as the photographer. Um, interestingly enough now, that's changed, but um, I do a project every year, and I also have two or three projects running at once, and some of them run for several years. But I never have one run under 12 months because I find that you get a little bit stale or bored and you come away from it, go back to it. And so all my projects are long-term projects. And my Windows project's ongoing. I did a Windows selfie um, project last year, but that's finished. Um, but yeah, all my projects are long-term. And I teach projects as well, funnily enough. But once a year, I get a group together and talk to them about projects and try and help them to make a book at the end of it. And I find that at the end of every project, I like to make a book and then find one image. So... Say I've shot images for a year. At the end of the year, I make a book with, say, 50 images in it, if I've shot that many, and with one great image. And I sit down and look at that. And then the trouble is I then look back at all my other work and think that's rubbish. It's yeah. the whole over again. But, yeah, projects help me see that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and it's especially important if you if you make if if you make a living out of photography and it's also a job i think mm. uh the personal projects on the side are so important and I, i i wrote about that because when i was still working as a commercial photographer um it's you can easily get to the point where it just becomes another job and it's so important to keep the personal project alive to to remind you why you picked up the camera in the first place and yeah. uh um but but a project within one genre of photography for sure as well um even if photography is just a hobby um it just makes yeah it's it's exciting it's like a treasure hunt definitely yeah that's that's so true okay tip number nine 
Oh, <laughs> we sort of touched on this earlier, but yeah. um, don't let the camera get in your way. Um, I used to shoot from the eye all the time. Um, I think it, you get caught up in that as well. And it was with film, funnily enough, I decided to stop shooting from the eye, which was really, really hard as well to actually shoot blind. But I noticed how people look at you like you're a professional photographer. When you've got a camera DSLR or something big and bulky, something that looks professional, people look at you. And even when you don't know they're looking at you, they look at your camera and they wait for you to lift it up and then they almost start to pose for you. So without you even knowing it before you get to them, you change the dynamic in the scene. And then when you lift the camera up, they look at you and they start to smile. And for me, that was totally getting in my way. And so, yeah, changing down from a DSLR to a smaller mirrorless camera helped an enormous amount. And even my film cameras now, um, I've taken most of them up. And when, I, when I go out and use them, no one knows what they are and they can't see them. And I allow my eye contact on people, whether I use eye contact or not. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I allow my body language and eye contact to control what's going on and then use the camera at the last moment. Sometimes I look at people, almost stare at them until they make eye contact with me and then push shutter at that moment. And sometimes I just watch them, watch them, watch them and wait for them to react and shoot them from the hip. And sometimes I will bring it up to my eye if I know it's not going to change mm -hmm. what they're doing. But I love to be camera free, if you know what I mean, yeah. so that I just interact with people and then use the camera with the shutter at the last moment. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And um, you're, you're less intimidating intimidating and you're less visible for sure yes. and and then uh if people see you they see your face they you're not hiding behind a camera just like we should not be hiding behind a long lens as street photographers you know exactly. we want to be close but uh hiding behind the camera uh i could have as disadvantages as well because uh you don't make eye contact with people or they don't see your face so okay. yeah you definitely are a little more threatening that way yeah, exactly. than if they see your face and the camera is not quite at eye level so yeah um good good point and finally tip number 10 Oh, this is probably my favorite one. Um, shoot what you want to shoot. Um, it might not even be relevant for the next 100 years. Uh, it's funny enough, you mentioned mobile phones earlier, but it's like a friend of mine said, oh, I think I'm going to give up street photography. And I said, why? And he said, well, no one's like reading books or talking to each other or communicating or cuddling or holding hands or kissing or showing any emotion on the street anymore. They're all on their mobile phones. I said, but, you know, in five, ten years, ten years' time, we're going to be on a mobile, uh, sorry, um, wearable technology. So the chances are, if you haven't shot those people on their phones, in a hundred years' time, you can't look back and say, do you remember those things we all used to walk around holding and talking on? So shoot what you want, shoot what you love. And I find the more you shoot, because uh, I had that, I mean, not so much bullying with social media, but in the beginning days, I had a lot of people making comments on my images, of, oh, this is this and this is that. And I thought, well, I actually like what I'm shooting and I'm going to carry on shooting the way I shoot. And I know it's not, um, I know it's not the best street photography in the world, but I'm sort of not interested in who's interested. It sounds bad, but I'm really not interested in who's interested in my work now. I'm more interested in who will be interested in my work in 50 years time, a hundred years time when they look back. Mm -hmm. So basically I shoot what I want and I'm, it makes me happy and I'm happy. And then hopefully in a hundred years time, someone will say, oh, I like that. that <laughs> just that's one, right. Just, just one, you know? Yeah. And, and, and he's got a point about the cell phone. It does get to be 
too much. And, oh, but yeah. on the other hand, if you turn it into a challenge, yeah. then it's okay. You know, it's a lot more challenging now to photograph people doing other things than it was five years ago. So yeah, right. it makes it, it just, uh, yeah, turn it into a challenge, turning into a project. Photograph people that are actually not on their phone. They're yeah, interacting, exactly. kissing, smoking. I love, I'm glad that <laughs> the French are still smokers because you still see them, uh, you know, on their cigarettes, cigarette break without their phones sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's oh. both. So it's like, oh, no. But, uh, you know, people daydreaming with a cigarette. I used to think that was a common thing to find. And now it's so rare and it's so special <laughs> to me. I don't know if I sent you that shot, but um, I've got a shot of a girl sitting outside a cafe and she's smoking, which is uh, uh, quite rare these days. It's usually a smoking device. And... I used the fact she was smoking. She's sitting there daydreaming to my advantage to get really, really close. And it's so hard to do that nowadays. But like you say, I can't wait to get over to Paris and try it out for myself. Yeah, I know. There's <laughs> part, still plenty of smokers there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's outside even in January eating at the cafes and smoking That's their good. cigarettes. And it's all good. It's, uh, it's, part of, uh, it's part of the culture. And hey, you know, it, it works well for the street photographer. So, so. I hope they carry on smoking. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, that was really fun. See, I told you I pushed a little, but it was well worth coming on the show, huh? You had fun? So, that was really fun. Now, where can uh, people see more of your work? Um, I'm quite um, all over social media, but um, uk is my website. But Matthew Hart Photography or Matt Hart on Facebook or at Matt66 on um, Twitter, etc. And it's heart, not like a heart. It's heart with just the A, right? H-A-R-T, yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks. And I'll have you on the show because um, you say you do a presentation about... um, photography and dyslexia yeah i think that would be a really really good thing to to talk about so we'll definitely plan that um when uh when you have a little break in your schedule right thanks very much thank thank you and we are at the end of another episode of street focus please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street focus to subscribe to the show and if you enjoy it please don't forget to share on social media and leave us a rating on itunes My name is Valérie Jardin, and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets.